Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Quite a boring episode tonight, eh, Pete? You should really look up uh, boring in the dictionary there, Matt. Yes, tonight's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. long billed as the It's All Connected connection to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. We're talking about episode 117, Turn, 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 which is brought to us by me, by Spoiler Pete. As in, I called this weeks ago, and it's all on tape if you need to go back and listen to it. You really, really did. Hats off to you. You've you've definitely earned the coveted uh, sponsor spot, even down to the idea of, I can see Bill Paxton saying, Hail Hydra, and it happened tonight. So, well done, Pete. Well done. I don't know how you know this stuff, but well done, Pete. One of the burdens of my job, Matt, is being right all the time, and I like to think that I bear it well. Indeed. Well, with that, Pete, let's get to our first segment. Ah, uh, yes, our debrief, okay, where we catch you up on what went down. And, Matt, what didn't go down in this episode? Well, let's see. I mean, planes went down. Uh, some people went down. Uh, our fundamental, uh, I don't know, trust in S.H.I.E.L.D. as an agency. Yeah, we kind of expected it based on Captain America, too. But that, too, went down. Um, the, the the mystery of the clairvoyant went down. I mean, this was this was just a jam-packed episode, Pete. We knew that Captain America, the Winter Soldier, would be a tipping point. But the amount of interconnectivity between last week's episode, okay, and we head into Captain America, and then this week's episode, this is unprecedented, what they've done here. There was an episode, uh, and that, pardon me, there was a uh, an article in today's Hollywood Reporter, uh, today, of course, being uh, April 8th, 2014, um, where they they were interviewing uh, Marissa Tancheron and Jen Whedon, and basically it was kind of the, the the question that we've all been wondering: How long have you known this? How long have you known that you were headed towards having Shield fall apart? And Marissa Tancheron's answer was uh, that like after the pilot, but before the series was was greenlit or before they started uh, working on the series, um, they got a copy of the Captain America script, and it was a, it was from that point forward that literally. They've been working things in since the second episode. So, wow, it paid off tonight and it paid off in a huge, huge way. It did. And and that's where, you know, TV can't show its hand literally and figuratively there for quite some time. We we know how far ahead the films, obviously, because of their special effects components. And Matt, you and I sitting through waiting for the secondary uh, post-credits scene like all good Marvel fans do this weekend, just marveling, pun intended there, at the amount of <laughs> special effects houses that worked on, as they say in the business, that show, calling a movie a show, of course, um, with Captain America the Winter Soldier. And why is that, Matt? Well, I think that's usually just a time constraint issue where you'll 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 parse out um Oh, I don't know the uh, maybe the helicarrier obviously crash. That's obviously a big scene, but maybe you'll let uh, that special effects company also do the effects for the parked helicarriers towards the beginning of the movie. 
but then something like um oh i don't know falcon flying you'll say all right well somebody else is now in charge of just the flying stuff and maybe the uh the digital double for anthony mackie creating all that and you just kind of chop up all the special effects and uh send them to the different places that can uh that can get the job done for that uh for that premiere date and then before even that now let's talk uh as far as the televised product you got to write it you got to film it then you got to add in all the special effects and we know that they do that ably in about a six-week turnaround but if you're going to plan something like this ahead of time no wonder this was the season-long arc building to this and matt there's a little movie coming next may um you know, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, something like that, going to come back on the screen. So I can you know, only imagine how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in its inevitable second season pickup, hashtag spoiler Pete, okay, um, is going to build to that. I mean, we can only hope. And I think that uh, I think that for all the ratings issues that the show has had, I mean, it's you would hope that there is going to be a bump from this week. And if not this week, then next week. I, I feel like it's 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 these post Captain America episodes, this one and next week, where I don't think the I wouldn't go so far as to say that the, the show's future will, will be uh, determined. But it really is. It now is go time for the series. If they're going to get out of a two point one rating and the neighborhood of six million viewers, and they're going to they're going to get up to 8 million viewers, 10 million viewers, um, which is where it should be for a show of this caliber. Now's the time to make it happen in uh, this episode and the remaining five uh, that there are to go. But Pete, with that, let's get into the episode proper here. Debrief us. Yes, we begin with uh, Agent John Garrett at the uh, uh, autopilot uh, helm of his plane listening to uh, Fear the Reaper. I think that's uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, one thing this episode didn't lack was its share of cowbell. And uh, <laughs> he is fired on by uh, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, by S.H.I.E.L.D. proper, I should say, drones. And uh, that was the biggest giveaway, I think. Last week he had mentioned this week's episode title, Turn, Turn, Turn. And... Well, what do you do? You fire on the bad guy, not thinking he's the bad guy in the tease. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of it like that, although I think that um, looking back at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if you will, um, I, I think that it's really a nice catch that they're really kind of managing and massaging the audience to get to the surprise. Um, I mean, if you're kind of saying, well, who will the clairvoyant be? You kind of at a certain point you're going to you know, he's going to be on the list as part of the discussion. Uh, whether whether you kind of are like, well, you know, it could be him, but that would then be a zinger, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that it um, it really is a nice, um, you know, it's a nice misdirect to say, well, I'm just kind of inst- going to instinctively say that it's not him because they're shooting at him and stuff. Uh, I will just mention, Pete, that I initially thought that it was going to be Hand in the mini plane. Um, she had left the bus um in in such a plane uh in last week's episode so i was wondering if perhaps we had kind of flashed back to shortly after her exit that sort of thing but nope garrett's mini plane and nice design of it nice little action sequence there and uh with that the episode continues the one thing it was a little confusing again given this 
unprecedented connection, you know, to the film world and the TV world was when things were happening. Um, you know, if you have not seen Captain America, the Winter Soldier to this point, A, get on that. Okay. And B, uh, you know, things like mentioning Director Fury's death, you know, I have to ask out loud, well, which death is that? Is that the death in the middle of the film that he faked? Is it the death at the end of the film when we're by his grave? Which, uh, good pickup on uh, Matt's part. What was on the grave, Matt? Uh, it was a, uh, a, a quote from the book of the Bible, Ezekiel, that in and of itself a reference to uh, the, uh, the famous line from, uh, from uh, Pulp Fiction. See, I got this line memorized. I like to say that people stop me in airports and I say it. That line? <laughs> uh, I think that's the one, yeah. Um, so we pick up with uh, Coulson and Sky drawn on May in the very tense situation they left us in, um, in the, the back of the bus. Okay. Uh, May reveals that only HQ could override the bus to turn around. She admits that the hard line that she was using was directed directly to director Fury. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, you're a poet. Pete. Yeah, there you go. Fitz, uh, admits he cut the line. Then suspicion turns to Fitz. Fitz admits he was trying to get the Simmons. So, you know, they really, really fostered well, I thought, this idea of paranoia, and it continued throughout the entire episode. It really did, and in that scene in particular, I was really struck by, by I mean, the quality of all their acting. This was an opportunity to, to step out of, hello, I am a technician, and now I will explain to you how this is a machine. Like, this was really like drama, and this was pathos and whatnot. And I commented in my notes that we had this great, strong acting out of Ian, uh, who, of course, plays uh, Fitz. Mentioned that on Twitter, by the way, and some guy responded, uh, he bloody well, I, I said, uh, Ian is bloody amazing tonight. And some guy responded and said, he bloody well is, just wait. Um, turns out that guy was Clark Gregg. Mm -hmm. Now, I know we did, by the way, just a side note, Pete, we did have a, a comment on the website that... Uh, Somebody said, hey, stop mentioning that you interviewed Clark Gregg. By the way, you can find the Clark Gregg interview on the website, fantasticgeek.com. Back to you, Pete. Yeah, you don't, you don't hide such things. You, uh, right. you embrace them. I got to let it shine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then it's the idea here, uh, who is Simmons talking to? Okay, we see Agent Triplett and Agent Simmons back at the hub. Okay, Um Everybody's busy. Uh, Trip explains that uh, you know it's it's all level eight people in action mode. We know again from the film's perspective the extent throughout this ultra secretive organization that they are on high alert. It's underscored a little later when Simmons actually speaks via hologram to Agent Weaver at shield academy who's cut off in an explosion I, I like by the way that you caught uh agent weaver's name because i for the life of me did not catch it and i just referred to her as professor mcgonagall by the way but you're <laughs> right it really was this chilling conversation i think that we could kind of see that it was coming because 
uh, Agent Weaver kind of kept you turning, turning away, and and then and and Agent Simmons, Gemma, you need to. Oh wait, there's something going on, and then and then it's that great. You kind of she's lit by the explosion, and it's cut off. Really, really nice. Um, by the way, Pete, just to dial back in the episode just the tiniest little bit. Wonderful Simmons line when Trip says, um, "You're bad at lying," and she says, "I know, but I'm getting getting better at it." And I just said, "Wow, this is a character who's on." an arc and a character who's only going to be hardened by this uh, reveal of Hydra. I mean, the metaphor of blood on the hands, uh, again, not just metaphorically, literally speaking in this episode and uh, played very, very well tonight. This idea who you're going to trust. Okay. Simmons wants to keep this research about GH three, two, five and what it's done to Coulson, to Sky in-house. Coulson reveals a little later that um, the doctor who turned, uh, oh, well, we don't know that he's turned into Graviton, that he was name-checked in this episode. I would guess we're going to see him real soon and that they were headed to the fridge, um, hands it, plane. It is the one loose string from those early episodes. We've yes, retconned. And- you know, we've retconned Quinn back in, whether it's by intention or not. Quinn appeared to be a single bad guy in, in his first appearance. Um, the I Spy guy obviously was a, was an open-ended baddie uh, in episode 104, but it kind of they didn't immediately pick it up on that. They've both been brought back into the fold. And you're right, Graviton, Gravitonium, Gravity Things. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right, Pete. That's where we're headed. Yes, and the doctor that we had there in the second episode, I just want to uh, get a name there so that we're on the page with that. Where is Dr. Frank Hall, okay, Uh, who had been abducted before, and he was specifically uh, referenced tonight. So it's not an if, it's a when, and that will be tied up uh, by the end of this season. But, um, you know, that intrigue aside and where we're going with this, okay, um, Garrett uh, leads these drones to the bus, which, again, that's straight out of the traitor playbook. Uh, Coulson gets into the Millennium Falcon gun room that the bus has that we had not seen to this point. And uh, (laughs) Booyah, like that, uh, shoots down the drones and saves the traitor. In a in an excellent little action scene there. I mean, they were really, they were really, you know, uh, pushing forward with the special effects. And we've been critical at times of some of their most basic special effects. You know, lousy green screen as people get onto the the ramp of the bus is my biggest complaint. But and my goodness, the missiles twisting and turning, and then doing the whole you know roll over and play dead, and it just passes over the wings and hits the two drones. It was really, really, really. Nice stuff, Pete. Yes. Um, so that taken care of and uh, Garrett and uh, the bus group having rendezvoused. They talk about uh, Victoria Hand's involvement, possibly in all this, the encoded transmission uh, that they swore oaths, which is something that comes up repeatedly on both ends in this episode, both S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. And... Um, Garrett immediately poo-poos Hand as the clairvoyant. Uh, He said that she was a hard ass and a buzzkill at parties, but hiding in plain and actually in a Freudian slip I had written in my notes, 
plane, <laughs> P-L-A-N-E, site. Ah. Okay. Uh, and then we get the excellent reveal of the transmission. Sky decodes it. Hail Hydra. Yeah. And I had not considered uh, during the course of uh, Captain America that when the tippity-top of Hydra decided to, now's the time to to come out, uh, that they would have to signal, I mean, presumably thousands, if not tens of thousands of people loyal to them. I mean, we don't quite have a sense of shield size, but we know that they're massive. They have to, to signal all these people. And of course, it's going to be some sort of, you know, shield 21st, well, I know email is still 21st century, but some sort of high tech version of email to everyone in the, in the, in, in the company um, with, with that reveal, that kind of go word to, to those who are going to look at it and go, Oh, that's for me. I'm shooting the guy next cubicle over. Who's like, not, not Hydra. It doesn't show up at those Hydra meetings. Um, makes well, sense. It absolutely makes sense. And in Captain America, you don't quite think of that because it's, centered at the tippity top but they have a whole operation to signal to well the noise came across first as out of the shadows and into the light so you know the phrase and then of course the the hail hydra salute after it uh but handled very very well and you know i gotta give the writing team and we'll start at the top with the showrunners uh and, and the whedons you know a lot of credit to keep this on lock and two, to execute it as well as they did. It, it could have played in a very ham-fisted way. And, you know, we still don't ultimately know the end game. And that's the beautiful thing that's happened here. The movie has handed off to the show. We've yeah, talked about yeah. trusting the system. And Disney, Marvel have entrusted now the legacy of this Earthbound Marvel Universe for more than the next year with this TV show. Yes, we're going to get Guardians of the Galaxy in August. Guys, listeners, 99% of that movie takes place off Earth. Okay? So, um, don't expect a lot of change there. Maybe in a secret scene, we'll get something that'll, you know, jumpstart us more towards Avengers or something like that. But this is where we're going to live and breathe for the better part of the Marvel Universe for the next year. Absolutely. And I think that the show kind of uh, dances on the head of that pin in a really effective way. Our characters find out that Fury is dead um, via that phone call. And then uh, we get an act break and then Paxton immediately brushes aside Fury's death. And I think that the, the function of that point and counterpoint was for the show to acknowledge to the characters that Fury was dead. But then Paxton just saying, Oh man, well, if he's dead, then or no, he he's bounced back uh, more than one time. It's the wink to the audience, um, not 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 um, Garrett's wink, mind you, but it's the show winking to us, saying, "Yeah, we know he bounces back from this too." But um, it's kind of just saying, like, "Hey, breaking news! If you didn't hear, Fury is dead." And for those of you in the know, thanks for showing up to uh, to you know the three hundred million dollar uh, total worldwide box office for this uh, movie, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. He's okay. Exactly. So then it's time to get to the hub. On autopilot, our uh, bus lands. The guns are immediately taken out. And uh, Matt, I know you very much maligned uh, that our bus is broken. Yeah, I was I was definitely wondering, 
are they are they burning down the bus metaphorically so so as to give some sort of other option and um i mean i don't want to move out of the timeline here while the bus set ultimately survives with you know you just vacuum up the glass and put in some new uh, windows and whatnot i'm not convinced that that we're going to be bus bound for the rest of this season and i'll, I'll save that to level seven completely oh, i agree but, i agree with you i you know yes have we seen it repaired in fact the last time uh director fury was on the show and you know those in the know might know that's going to change but uh you know the the bus was fixed the next week <laughs> yeah which you know i get um side note i'm still not ruling out and I, we're probably going to quickly blow past the appropriate timeline for this as the show matches up with the movie i'm not i'm not going to rule out that you don't see colson saying I need you to fly me all secret to Europe, Colson. I, I have a mission there. Um, we'll see. We certainly will see. Well, he doesn't have a, a bus right now, so he ain't flying anybody yeah. anywhere for the foreseeable future. You know, you, you get some loyal shield grease monkeys. He said, guys, patch up those windows. Let's go. Once at the hub and the gun's taken out, uh, May, who's been suspected by uh colson and really at some point in this episode anybody who's anybody is uh suspected um colson lets his guard down to allow may to call fury somebody else answers and fury's dead yeah yeah and and, and i mean the word was going to be broken to them eventually and that uh that moment indeed comes i thought it was an effective place within the episode you don't begin with it you lead up to it. So now, you know, you, you wind up at a headquarters of sorts and to hear that he's uh, no longer somebody you can draw upon for wisdom, for support. They are truly on their own. Um, but Pete, did you catch what I thought was just a wonderful, wonderful scene where May explains why she was picked for Colson's team? She picked the team, Matt. Yeah. She picked the team. She I loved it. Loved assembled it. the team. There were three really strong scenes in this episode, and that was the first, where May has this heart-to-heart with Coulson, where she also admitted, and I don't think we can underplay that at all, that uh, you mean a lot to me, uh, she told Coulson. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely something there for you shippers out there. Um, but within that, um, you know, that Fury knew Coulson would want a team, would want to team up. Okay. And May (laughs) was a sleeper long before this. She was there to look out for signs of, um, physical and mental deterioration. They have this relationship, uh, Coulson and May that goes back to Bahrain with what happened there. With uh, May as the cavalry, where she's uh, established this reputation, and she literally goes through the personnel that were that were assigned to her here, the specialist that's with us in case you needed to be put down, and that was a, certainly yeah. a, uh, a a line of portent <laughs> moving forward. It sure was, and then just to frame Fitzsimmons as. Uh, you know, essentially the body doctor and the brain doctor. Um, 
in that Fitz was kind of the the, the technical technician. Um, you, so yeah, you have you have May as you know mission commander, uh, Ward as the guy to shoot Colson, and then the two Colson keepers, and that's your team. It, it was just just a stunning uh, a stunning way to recast the show or recast the the the, the timber of the show. In the seventeenth episode, say this has been a secret all along, and it all fits perfectly. Right, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Simmons and uh, Triplet are then confronted uh, by Victoria Hand, and she gives them the whole Hydra speech. She says that um, you know Hydra has successfully infiltrated Shield. It only took seven decades. We have the support of all the level nine and level 10 operatives and trip then takes a knife and turns it on one of her goons and hand reveals they have passed the test that she is not Hydra and there's only seven people that she trusts at this point. It was a really nice scene. I was, I was buying it at first in the back of my head. I'm saying, but Hand is this kind of, I, I don't know if she's beloved in the comics, but she certainly is an established comics character. And the thought of kind of changing her loyalty, changing her background, I was like, well, are they going to do this? Well, they are doing it. And then they immediately took it back, of course. Um, so really, really effective scene. But Pete, I think a scene that may have preceded that was a nice kind of bit of uh, retconning in terms of technology that we saw in Captain America 2 that it actually turns out Fitz made. Did you did you catch that one? Uh, are you referring to the um, the thing that Coulson shot off? No, the other. Th- no, I'm talking about what what Fitz terms the mouse hole, which oh, is yes, that melty yes. floor thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 And actually, I have something like that in my notes. The uh, the cutter uh, yeah. that both d- uh, Director Fury used to get out of his uh trapped vehicle and it was used at another point in the film uh they used it to get out of uh uh, black widow and and cap and falcon used it to get out of uh the truck when they had been taken yeah and, and just this wonderful this wonderful little bit of story to sit and say well agents of shield is gonna steal that that device too but uh Fitz made it. So that's why you've never seen it used before is because Fitz made it and the higher ups took it and didn't quite pass it on down to, you know, level fives and level six. Just loved it. Loved it. You can now go back and rewatch Cap and say, Fitz made that. Fitz made that. Just really, really nice, uh, nice little, I don't know, cute turn in the story there. All the more reason uh, Garrett wants um, Fitz for the tech division uh, after the reveal later in the episode. Yeah. Uh, those higher ups, they, they get their toys um, within this whole segment in the, uh, the middle to the three quarter mark of the episode. Um, we get uh, another scene with Ward and Sky talking about the compartmentalized nature, both of their business and of their emotions. They're going to finally have the talk. Uh, and given the context of what goes down later in the episode, uh, I can only imagine how that talk's eventually going to go. Off screen. You think so? I think so. Absolutely. I think you got to have it on screen. It, it, it'll happen. And again, we, we don't fully know the end game. Uh, I, I think 
I could see it happening, well, you know, behind, uh, separated by glass. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I, I take that back, Pete, because I'm so – I was at a point in the episode where I, I, I felt my, my heart warming to <laughs> Skyward. And somebody on Twitter said, Skyward, lift off. I said, ah, oh, there is love. And this is wonderful. And now the thought that, as we'll get to properly at the end of the episode, you know, some bad, bad things have happened. Yes. Um, Ward then proceeds to take out 12 level fives. <laughs> I'm still not quite clear how uh, five of them on top of him and only a knife a couple feet away, he got out of it. But as you referenced at the end of the episode, Matt, when he plugs both of Victoria Hand's uh, security guys and then Hand uh, twice in what I'm going to say might be a fake out uh, to try to get at Garrett's endgame and the Hydra endgame. Um, maybe that's how he got to that knife is, psst, hail Hydra. <laughs> and they let him up. Um, Ooh. Ooh, I see what you're saying now, Pete. Yeah, um, I mean, he was. Guys, I'm I'm on your side, right? Cut cut yeah. off one head. Yeah, I went <laughs> I went to the secret meeting in Prague in 2004. Oh right, oh yeah, okay. I was guys, there just, with Agent go, Barton in Budapest. Somebody just punched me in the face. Make it look good. All right, okay, you go, you go. It's just Sky, man. It doesn't need to be convincing. <laughs> She she's just a level one. She didn't even go to Hogwarts, man. Exactly. She'll buy anything. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go smooch with her some more. It'll be great. Right. So it all comes back to Coulson and Garrett, and uh, Coulson reveals that this is a battle for uh, Shield, and Garrett calls it a battle for Shield's soul. Okay. He wants to kill Hand. He talks about the top brass. Um, he talks then in terms of, uh, what the plan was and then we well, wait, get, Pete, before we get we to get the end, then, I, just, I, I, I just wanted to mention that they did the classic fake prisoner gag. Yes. Uh, you may recall two other guys doing that by the name of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Yes. Um, and I'm sure it's appeared in many, many other movies, but I, I thought it was, it was like, it was an oldie, but a goodie where it's like. Hey guys, I caught these people and now I'm okay. Now, of course, it does on second viewing, not that we've experienced a second viewing, but on second look, it does have the added flip of the flip in that any of the Hydra people who might know that he's connected, um, and, and I don't know that, you know, I don't know that all the Hydra people know each other from the mixers, but <laughs> there is kind of that, there's kind of that irony that. Garrett is pretending to have caught them that he's a baddie, but he's actually pretending to be a goodie type thing. Right. But anyhow, then Pete, there's the monologuing and what? And then he tells his Hydra guys to do their thing, and they do. Great line out of Clark Gregg here. Okay. Um, this is about you being a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I will disagree. I thought that that was... Not a great comeback. Oh, I thought um, it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And again, you know, you you reference the the Star Wars and, and they're pre Star Wars tropes, but just used to their highest effect and and really 
awareness Wait, within Pete, that. You're, say, you're saying that you're saying that the boy orphaned who then loses the family that <laughs> raised him and now must accept manhood. That Star Wars didn't think that one up. They did not. They did oh, not. Um, the idea here that uh, that is floated by Garrett is, you know, Coulson, I consider you a friend. Come, come to the dark side. Okay, we have room for you. We can use you. Okay, after having slipped uh, at the wrong moment and saying that, uh, you know, um, the the technology that brought you back, blah blah blah, and uh, he, he disclosed too much. The the yeah. monologuing, the the pre bad guy reveal monologuing just went too far, and he revealed a secret, and Coulson puts it all together and Garrett's response is priceless. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was Bill Paxton at his very best Bill Paxton, you know, it was just wonderful. It wasn't quite game over for, uh, Colson. Uh, the lights (laughs) go down just as that happens. Ward and sky have successfully, uh, although there was a little bit of a pause there, uh, engineered the explosion we have Garrett, May, uh, Coulson, and even Fitz in the middle of the melee there. Garrett cuts Coulson, and I, th- I think we're going to see a physical um, toll on Coulson in the next couple weeks because he was certainly uh, battered and, and bloody. Okay. Uh, and finally, they use the little Fitz uh, tech tool there uh, to generate the field and knock Garrett out. But not before Pete the series experiences its emotional low point and at least emotional low point up to that part and a low point in my heart seeing Fitz cry <laughs> Pete that 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 hurt my hearticles okay uh, as someone who has spoken to Ian DeCakester at New York Comic Con and who's who's enjoyed his warm sense of humor that hurt me, Pete. That there, that 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 hurt me, and and the the bad man that did the bad thing to Fitz. I don't care that he's helped you know pursue our heroes for all these many episodes as the clairvoyant. He made Fitz cry, and I didn't like that one bit. Once this explosion takes place and Hans' crew gets inside, I thought they really cut down on needing to. Uh, Explain who's who. Coulson says, I'm not Hydra. Han says, we heard. Um, then, Matt, sometimes you need a montage. Yeah, and they have what I call in my notes an odd little music montage. Montage. I felt like it was, montage. Montage. I felt like it was showing the quote-unquote overness. I don't know if that's a word, but the overness of the story without having matched up yet with the cap two stuff. It's like they show the montage and then it's like, meanwhile, Captain America has helped uh, neutralize the situation of Triskelion, but now he's gone. And here's the big enterprise bridge background where we're going to, you know, also say, look, there's a pointy glowy light pointing to somewhere over here and somewhere over there, you know, foreshadowing the weeks of adventure to come. I just felt like that, montage here's going to be my bet pete my bet is when we're listening to you know the director's commentary track or something like that when it comes out on on the dvd and the blu-ray and whatnot 
I'm going to bet you that this is one of those classic, classic TV examples where they had a 45-minute episode and it needed to be 43 minutes. What's the solution? Montage that. Instead of having the emotional payoff. And let me back up and say, when they're saying, yikes, where are we going to get two minutes from? Um, They're going to say, well, you know what? We know why Trip is angry. We can just montage it. We know how disappointed everyone is in Garrett. We can just montage it. We don't need to have, you know, Triplet saying, I trusted you. I was your partner. We did all this. We did all that. You don't need to have uh, Ward saying, you were my SO. And kind of neither of them needs a 45 second scene, just music and whatnot. Uh, however, I didn't care for it. And if it's a result of the broadcast TV model, so be it. But it just didn't quite fit. I liked it. I liked, I think the biggest thing to take away was how fired up Agent Triplet was at the betrayal by his SO. Uh, you're right, Matt. Immediately after that, we get, okay, uh, Captain America has neutralized the helicarriers attack on the Triskelion, but his status is unknown. So literally a one-sentence catch-up to where we are and I think needed here to know in terms of time, all right, the threat that you just saw in the movie is now at least abated. But as the movie hints at that there still is stuff over there and yes. you kind of you know have the irony of, of uh, Captain America offered an opportunity to take the fight to Europe and he declines, um, that's where apparently the series is headed, at least uh, – maybe not next week what with the whole you know hand business that we're about to discuss but um you know and the fight shall continue and as you mentioned earlier pete this is a fight and and this is a storyline that it can just go for the next um 11 months uh, pardon me 13 months yes um until we get to avengers so i'm starting to think that there's plenty of opportunity to see to see more people how about this in season two to see some some of the the higher level names in um the marvel cinematic universe well we'll talk more about it in our level seven segment but it certainly allows for the opportunity of factions to form hand has revealed that hydra is in possession of a facility we've not heard of yet called the treehouse as well as um, a facility in Africa. But my notes are a little shaky there. There may have been a little bit more to that. Uh, I think she just said, and the East Africa. Yeah, yeah that's something or other. It, it, it wasn't an ultra, ultra specific reference like the treehouse. Uh, the fridge, thank goodness, is secure. And Coulson, knowing what's there, um, is uh, very very uh concerned about that remaining secure and um they had referenced earlier that uh dr hall who was frozen there or the gravitonium that he he sank into we don't even know in this universe if he's in there although it's a safe bet he is um well we saw the hands come out no pun intended we saw the hand yeah yeah they don't know that they Um, don't yes at least to our knowledge uh that that needs to stay secure okay um, I got a little worried when, uh, you know, Ward was offered the opportunity to leave the group here and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that we hear that he wants to see him suffer. Okay. And when, uh, hand gives him the opportunity. Well, let me back up a little bit. 
Okay. So Hand has given Colson a calm. Okay. And the admission that they may be the highest non-Hydra mm-hmm. agents surviving. Um, a very a, telling moment, particularly in light of what's about to come. Yes. Yeah, so I guess you can call me Phil, he tells her. Okay. Um, so Ward goes with Garrett and Hand. Okay. Uh, Colson and uh, May uh, reunite, and he explains to her, you're not a friend, but you're an ally. Interesting choice of words, and that it's all about survival at this point. Our final two scenes, one before uh, the end of the episode, the second I think you could really call the secret scene with, within the structure we've worked with, um, is hand on the plane. Again, the dark side. Hand tempts Ward to kill Garrett. And then he shoots both of her guards, and he shoots hands twice. Hand twice, which Matt will tell you is is code. Actually, it's hand three times. It's once where you can see her, the, and then yes, she falls. The, and then the second, out, yes, the second out of frame is twice. Is is uh, is two? Okay, Garrett. Uh, the the reaction is shot on Garrett. Tight in. Okay, he approves, and then Ward nods. The shield logo. Uh, excellently replaced by the Hydra logo. And Pete, I want to say genuinely, and th- despite the fact that I was on Twitter saying, oh man, it's not good that Ward's being separated from the group, and, and, and it wasn't a complete surprise given that you're looking for a zinger. I was genuinely choked up at seeing you know, our man Ward, the square-jawed hero, the, not the everyman in the sense of like the commoner, but like you know, the captain of the, the football team, the Scott Summers of this group, just betraying our group. I was genuinely choked up. I, I had a little something in my eye that I needed to wipe away. Um, I just couldn't believe it. I was surprised at how 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 low it made me feel. It really was was effective, effective storytelling out of the, you know, action comic book TV show where fun stuff happens every week. This was like, whoa, this is very real. And I'm not quite sure how you come back from that. Well, listeners of the show know that in our debrief here, which has admittedly uh, been long tonight because so much happened this episode, uh, in level seven, we will fully analyze what this means. Our secret scene close in on the, uh, Multicolored locks of uh, Victoria Hand, blood-stained. Uh, Ward is listening to Agent Garrett off-screen talking about uh, the time at so-and-so, okay? And he gradually tones his dialogue out, and he is in, uh, I guess, what Triplet called earlier, action mode. We will analyze in level seven, dun, 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 what all this means. Well, Pete, as you said, definitely a necessarily uh, longer debrief. I guess with that. The dossier. Uh, Yes, our dossier, a detailed look at our bad guys in tonight's episode. Who wasn't briefly (laughs) a bad guy? I think it is reasonable to assume, even though our hearts tell us otherwise, there's there there's there's a compelling argument from 
Han's perspective mm -hmm. that Coulson is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. It's reasonable at various points. The Hand is bad. Garrett obviously is bad. Ward appears bad. Um, I think this might be the three kids in the back seat who get a pass. Um, although I, early on in the episode, wouldn't preclude the possibility of some sort of, um, you know, uh, 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 I'll say voodoo or, you know, uh, mind bending or something like that being placed upon Simmons for her to maybe you know, make the make the wrong decision for the right reasons. Um, triplet certainly there's a scene you know when he's got the knife out where you're saying oh my goodness I'm saying no I want BJ Britt to join the cast in season two um, and they're very much hinting that you know he's about to to do her harm um, uh, yeah I mean aside from Fitz and his tears saying no I shall not back down May is considered to be a bad guy I mean this is literally you know trust no one to borrow a phrase from another series you can't trust anyone in any position of power at all. No, you simply can't. You you can't trust the 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 army grunt guys. You know the security, whatever you want to call it, the SWAT team. Oh, you, you can know? trust them the least, man. You don't even know them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and even with Fitz, you know, we haven't ruled out the idea of crocodile tears, and I could just see an effective turn. Uh, that's what I worried they were going that he was going to accept the offer. Uh, uh, and and. Yeah. You know, forget double agents, man. That's passe. We got triple and quadruple agents going on on this. That's why I think our outcome is still very, very much up in the air. Um, Brett Dalton, who plays uh, Agent Ward here, probably going to be really quiet on the Twitter, at least as far as uh, referencing this. But uh, let's start with Hand. And, you know, we know he loves his puns. I would say he would that uh one hand doesn't know what the other is doing <laughs> certainly true and i mean i had a tough time believing that she was going to be um to be a bad guy just based on how she was clearly hedged as a bad guy at the end of last week's episode i mean we had the whole week to think about there's this threat that she knows has occurred and it's time to just you know spill some blood and neutralize the threat and if right. you make the wrong choice with six people and you know a couple couple people get get killed i mean look at what went on in washington dc this is this is the big time this is this is just a, a, an attack of unprecedented proportions um so it doesn't make her bad it just makes her making the hard choices too simple i think at the end of last week's episode uh get everybody on the plane. Coulson is mine. There was a lot of speculation that she might be a character named Madam Hydra, uh, revealing herself here. And I, I think potentially that could still be in play. What I was most puzzled by, you know, this opportunity she gives Ward to permanently ice Garrett. Um, you know, I think it speaks a little bit to her characterization, but it, it, it felt above and beyond, uh, so we suspect her. We still don't, at the beginning of the episode, know who the clairvoyant is. Okay. Uh, my pick for the last several weeks, Garrett comes under suspicion immediately. Ward and May are uh, people we look at with suspicion. Matt, they even made us look at the venerable Clark Gregg 
with some level of suspicion, and there were mm-hmm. fairly convincing arguments that he withheld knowledge, that he has been fixed by this strange technology that nobody understands, that uh, he hid the gravitonium, his dealings with uh, Aquila Amador. They made the most beloved character on this show for an instant a suspect. And I think that if nothing else, that helps strengthen the character of Hand to say she does have a really compelling uh, argument to make from her perspective that kill all his lackeys, he's he's the boss, he's the clairvoyant, he's he's the the, the head of Hydra or something. You know, he's he's so important in this. Um, it, it's understandable the point of view uh, that she has. It's really, um, as you say the degree of suspicion that this episode throws at just about everybody is incredibly astonishing. It's chaotic in a way that few other television shows uh, allow their storyline to become. And I mean that in the very best of senses. Agent Blake, who is never seen in this episode, uh, played by Titus Welliver, who uh, was last shot last week or allowed himself to be shot. It's, it's still murky. Um, there's some suspicion that he then or now was in on the Hydra plot. Really, Matt, you, you referenced Fitz. The only other person we never suspected in this episode was Sky. And think about it for the rest of this year. She's been suspected of everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, <laughs> In in and it's a bit of a blur, but either in the the Captain America podcast or the podcast for uh, for last week's episode, we were wondering if perhaps she's um she you know like what will the fate of her character be? Um, will she make it to the end of the season, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, will she will she be the big surprise? You know, she's killed off. I'm not convinced that you know. <laughs> I don't think it's her based on um based on the way this episode went and. We could discuss that in our next segment. But first, Pete, a reminder to all our friends, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can head over to FantasticGeek.com, help us out with those storage and bandwidth costs, uh, and you can click on the PayPal link, give a little, give a lot. It's a donation-type uh, situation, and uh, it's all appreciated. Even a little goes a long way. With that, Pete, here we go. Yes, our level seven segment. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's cut to the bullet, pun intended, in honor of Brett Dalton. Is Ward Hydra? Is he the bad guy? What's up there? I don't see how you write Ward out of being a bad guy in a way that is emotionally fulfilling for the audience i realize now that the reason that they showed us in the secret scene blood coming from hand i think was to make clear to us a la the late addition to star wars episode one the phantom menace of the cut in half uh, uh darth maul to make it clear what had just occurred which is he did not use a night night gun now if you're watching carefully the bald headed guy in the scene did have a nice little hole put into his head but you know they're playing for a wide audience and you might have missed it even if you're a you know an avid viewer they wanted to make it clear that that um 
that hand was that the blood was shed that this was, this was not the other gun that they use Tuesday nights at eight o'clock where they could get, get to shoot people and it's people go to sleep for like 20 minutes um even if he look if they're gonna argue for some sort of well he's double agenting stuff and he's actually undercover to infiltrate Hydra further I'm pretty sure he just killed three people and I'm pretty sure that hand just told us, her and Coulson are now effectively co-directors of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I'm okay with the fact that Coulson just got elevated to director Coulson. But Ward just shot hand. I don't see how that gets explained. I don't see how they write around it. Now, could they do it? Yes. Could they do it in an emotionally effective way where it's the end of the season and we say, oh, Ward's okay? Yes. I don't. Qu- I, I, I cannot imagine where that's going to go. Flip side, there were you know we've been talking about you know different possibilities like oh the clairvoyant could be hand it could be Garrett you know there, there are different routes that we've kind of been tangentially aware of for a while. I, I I've I do not have a theory on how Ward is anything other than um, out of the show at the end of the season, Pete. Well, I'm going to use your own words against you here. You bring up Darth Maul. Um, Matt, sometimes you get chopped in half, but that's not the end of you. Um, So could this all be part of fleshing out even further the extent to which the Hydra tentacles, if you will, stretch? I'm not convinced that it's not. Um, The way we're left... I'll turn... If I may interrupt, I'm going to turn your own turning of my words back to you. Okay. In that I believe you are referring to Darth Maul's return in the uh, uh, Star Wars... In in one of the animated... uh, In Star Wars Clone Wars, right? Yes. He returns? Yes. That is not canonical. Um, So until the... You know, if you want to say... Actually, it is. Everything that happened on the... Not to, you know, have a Star Wars discussion for the (laughs) third time in in the midst of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, podcast. But, you know, that's on the record that that counts. Everything that happened in that series counts. The Disney canon? Yes. Okay. Then, then, Then I defer to the Star Wars... The Star Wars expert who has spent much time staring up at his own twin sons. The... The takeaway is this, Matt. Um, how do we know that there's not, uh, you know, you're the one that floated these These could be uh, blanks, that this all could be, um, you know, I'll, I'll take it over here, that this could be theater for Garrett, get him to expose. We know from the end of Captain America that some of the rats didn't go down with the ship. Maybe, just maybe, Um Director Fury, the feared dead Director Fury, uh, has been in touch with Hand. Find out how deep this goes, that uh, Ward became a pawn in this, that he's operating within that. I would, I would think it would uh, create opportunities for great drama beyond the sky talk that's got to happen at some point. Again, probably separated by glass. Um, I'm going to go spoiler. Pete is officially going to take the line. Ward is not the bad guy. I think that you make a good argument. And I think that it certainly is possible that, that uh, Ward is complicit in this, you know, secret agent thing that, you know, that for all the show has made of the clairvoyant being the tippity top of 
some mysterious operation. He's actually, Garrett is, just a cog in the, the Hydra wheel that goes much, much higher than him. So the idea that that Ward is now there to to run that connection all the way up. I mean, certainly the fact that the fact that um, Hand is saying, "Hey, we're in a plane, a sealed metal container that's pressurized. Uh, take out your gun and shoot someone." It does not preclude the possibility that she's in on it. I don't know. I just feel like blanks. I wouldn't rule it out, but it, to me, it feels very Mission Impossible-y. Um, and not quite the flavor of this show, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I, for one, love it. I love it. I love that this could be staged. I mean, yes, Matt, there's the emotional resonance that we have. Like, did we just see this happen? Um, but that they left us in that that haze. This is the second episode in a row that he would act so impulsively. I, I I think again that this you talk about the hand of the writer. I think the hand of the writer was shown here. Hey, last time it was emotion. This time we're gonna make it seem like emotion, but it's all part of the plan and you just fell for it. Hey, bring it on. Bring it on. I like that the show is now kind of delving in these play at home mysteries where we we wouldn't be surprised if um it was a switcheroo with Ward again. We also wouldn't be surprised if they just commit to it and you go, oh my goodness, I'm so brokenhearted that they just killed off Ward in the finale to make him pay for his crimes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Pete, I'll just mention one other kind of level seven thing. I know I referenced the notion of Director Coulson. I was wondering, yes, the reference was made to they're going to fix the bus up. Um, but I was wondering if maybe now Coulson and team are going to be operating out of the hub and maybe the thinking is, that the show at least in its own internal creation its own internal storyline without a without an official pickup is prepping for season two and maybe maybe they're saying the bus is great but this isn't quite the this isn't a set that has the 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 feeling of home that uh that the ship did on firefly so we kind of need another we need a home and the bus can just be the bus and i'm wondering if it's going to be the hub um and it, next week, look, next week's episode might start with, boy, I'm sure glad that those shield grease monkeys fixed everything up. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's, darn it, get those grease monkeys to fix the bus faster. Here I am, Colson, standing in front of the giant screen saying, look, map here, guys there, move, 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 I'm in charge. That sort of thing where it's kind of Colson and team at the, at the hub, in charge of the hub. Um, so... I guess we'll see. It's one of those things where it could it could go one way or the other. Pete, any other level seven stuff for you? Whoa, <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so excited. Bring it on, Pete. Um, the the one other thing I want to bring up it was you know in a loaded period of dialogue between Coulson and May, the whole "you mean a lot to me" speech. But she said she was there to protect her. And I have to call back to the Sky parentage thing. Is it all connected? Mm. Here's my suspicion. I think that in the, in the time between the show's birth in the pilot episode and its adolescence in the first five or eight episodes, I think some things have been left behind. 
Sky is the outsider has clearly been left behind. Sky is the as the agent for hire has been left behind. She's now an agent of Shield. I'm wondering if some of that parenting stuff was a you know was a road they wanted to go down and now they've abandoned it. Certainly the 084 thing they can return to. Um, oh, they have to. I mean, it's still totally in play with the analyzation of uh, and the analysis of the blood. I agree, but I. I would not hate the show for not returning to it for the rest of the season, perhaps um, to just be one of those things where we've been saying for a season and a half now, or did they forgot about it? And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my goodness, all of season two had these little hints that lead us now to the 084 thing. Um, just, just as one, one story option. I, I mean, listen, I think it was a line that drew attention. The the writer being who they are, including it amongst all those other details. I thought it really stood out. Um, so we will just have to see. Absolutely. And with that, Pete, let's move on to the final segment of the evening. Transmissions. Yes, now we open up our mailbag, and uh, it's looking pretty full this week. It, it definitely is. It, with with this episode, it seems that that email has become the favorite of of our listeners, and there's there's a number of, of emails to chug through. Uh, first, from Paul Tobeck, he says, uh, "Just a quick note to toss my guess as to who the clairvoyant is," um, and uh, obviously, it's a nice. It's nice to read this now that we know who the clairvoyant is. We can kind of, you know, check Paul's thinking. Even if he's wrong, we can check his thinking. Um, Up until this last episode, referring to uh, last week's episode, I agreed with Pete that it is most likely Agent Garrett. We've known for a while that the clairvoyant was possibly an insider, either an agent or former agent, and the most likely candidates are the newer introductions as we seem to close out the season. Uh, Agent Garrett's odd conversation with Skye and his uttering of the show title, Turn, 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 only seemed to strengthen that suspicion. But after watching the episode a second time, I'm changing my opinion for two reasons. One, because Garrett was in the room with the false grail clairvoyant. (laughs) Nice little turn of phrase there. Mm -hmm. Of course, this could be a giant misdirection. What better way to revive suspicion than being in the room? Uh, Pardon me, to relieve suspicion than being in the room and the computer voice responses could have been sent by a lackey or been pre-recorded. After all, the clairvoyant would know what you're going to say, right? Uh, despite that, I'm going with my gut and saying that the clairvoyant wasn't in the room. Two, there was a pivotal moment in the show, uh, I believe led to the fulfillment of the clairvoyant's plan to stay incognito, uh, and that was the conversation between Ward and Triplett. Trip planted the seed in Agent Ward's mind, which directly led to Ward shooting the flake the the fake clairvoyant which oh he was a flake is... clairvoyant too. <laughs> that's true uh so agent triplet is the clairvoyant or maybe not maybe garrett is the clairvoyant and triplet is an i spy lackey maybe we're both right maybe we're both horribly wrong who knows it's a whedon show after all right with hints and misdirections i have the feeling that there are some big surprises yet to come that nobody could predict uh, anyway i love the way the final episodes are really ramping up and can't wait to see the times with winter soldier. So Pete, I think that this episode tells us that Paul is wrong. <laughs> I don't know that Paul is wrong though. <laughs> I, and that's the beauty of what 
is going on. I mean, listen, um, I can hear Garrett um, off screen out of the side of his mouth using the phrase the clairvoyant. Like, I know all. I'm the clairvoyant. Ha, ha, ha. You know, chomping a cigar. Uh, I'm the clairvoyant, man. Clairvoyant. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, so... Is he ultimately the the you know your phrase the tippity top of this uh, evil conspiracy? I don't think so. I think he's more at an operative uh, level, but he had this knowledge to where an operative seems like a big. Yeah, yeah. Um, time will tell. I I want to again stress to Paul and to our listeners. I don't know that. I don't know. I mean, look, could we see a switcheroo with Trip? Sure. Anyhow, Pete, this next email comes to us from Caitlin. Hey, Matt and Pete. I really enjoy listening to your podcast every week and had two major thoughts to share after seeing Captain America the Winter Soldier and listening to your most recent episode. Number one, the point was made that it would have been nice to see Simmons at the Triskelion during the film because it would have really shown that it's all uh, connected. However, I disagree. We know that Simmons is at the hub and not the Triskelion. Without having seen the post-Winter Soldier Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, I feel like it might be more important for Simmons to be at the hub rather than the Triskelion, especially since both were mentioned in the episode. If they were meant to be at the same place, I feel uh, as though the hub wouldn't exist in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe, and it would have been the Triskelion from the beginning, since Marvel would have known the plot of Cap 2 before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started filming. Pete, uh, Caitlin is absolutely correct. I had misidentified uh, the uh, the spot where um, where uh, Simmons was. So excellent catch there on Caitlin's part. Indeed, and and one thing too, like I, I just I need a line of exposition either in the movies or in the show. It would make more sense on the show, just in terms of all right. We get that the fridge is a you know a cold facility you know you keep tech there you keep bad guys on ice um you know we thought the hub was headquarters and in this episode tonight called hq what is the triskelion then that you know it 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 seemed from the movie that that was shields headquarters (laughs) so i i think their presentation is confusing um Apart from the fact that we've only seen one of these places from the exterior, and that's the Triskelion. And I get it. It's a TV budget. You know, we're going to be at the sandbox, and we're going to show you a shot looking out into the desert and a, and a satellite uh, rocket launch. I, I, I understand it. But at the same time, um, it is a little confusing. Well, Pete, I'll use a, I'll use a sports analogy here. If you're, if you're a you know, if you're, on the, the team and somebody says you know hey man you know the boss wants to see you get to his office you're going to go to the coach's office you're going to go to the manager's office um other people who work for that organization let's say the general manager if the general manager is told hey the boss wants to see you get to his office he's going to the owner's you know the, the owner's giant office at the tippity top of the stadium or perhaps off-site and, you know, it has this wonderful view, which is a lot different than the baseball manager's office, you know, and it, surrounded by concrete blocks and, you know, some some diagrams on the wall and some lineups on the wall. I think it's just kind of that is HQ for the people who are out there 
doing the day in day out work of hey there's a Quinn guy and he's kind of bad and let's go like try and get some information from him which is much much different than the type of uh, um mission that we say that we see cap and uh and company go on at the beginning of captain america 2 where it's like hey this is a major thing that a a uh a shield operation has been intercepted by bad guys and we need to fly in and this and that the other i think it's just a completely different level of one is kind of the day-to-day and one is like holy cow this is you know alert alert time that sort of thing i mean and i get that i i just feel like they're almost a little too spread out with these facilities and and this stuff and again man just throw me a line of of exposition like oh the triskelion you got to be top brass to even get near that place as opposed to the hub well that's where we grunts report you know and then we've got academies on top of that too i mean we know it's a massive organization it's just a little bit and i I think caitlin could understand some confusion on your part (laughs) i would hope so Uh, Caitlin goes on to say, uh, in discussing the first secret scene in Captain America, it was uh, mentioned that the powers of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were probably side effects of some sort, as opposed to them being born with powers like mutants. Uh, I wonder if their powers are side effects or if they were intended. Baron von Strucker called them miracles, but I interpreted that to mean that it was a miracle these two survived the experimentation because no one else did. Let's not forget that S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Hydra was targeting millions of people because they were perceived to be a threat to the society they were trying to create. They also molded Bucky to create the Winter Soldier. And on the flip side, the pre-S.H.I.E.L.D. collective, the SSR, created Cap. Experimentation on humans is not outside their comfort zones. If they already possess this algorithm to study and monitor and target potential threats, what is stopping them from looking into these threats and turning them into weapons? Maybe there's something specific about the twins' DNA that makes them candidates for these experiments and uh, not were they the only ones to survive. Uh, they uh, exceeded any expectations that Baron von Strucker had, hence the Age of Miracles line. Obviously, this is all speculation, but it was something I had in my mind. Overall, I thought the film was great and even better than I expected. Thanks for making this awesome podcast, and I can't wait to see what AOS has in store for us. So, Pete, are Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch the 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 intended results of experiments? Well, I, I have to go back to what Caitlin talked about um, and reference that we're told there are volunteers that there have, and I think we have to take that tongue in cheek. Um, people have not volunteered for these experiments. Um, they've taken with some people quicksilver and and the scarlet which they've not taken with others which uh the baron talks about needing to dispose of um i like that our index that's mentioned on agents of shield could potentially come into play with um avengers age of ultron and and maybe quicksilver and scarlet which found themselves on it at some point and i like that dr zola's um algorithm could be used to identify candidates now um again Stephen strange being someone that was referenced in the film um and a lot of chatter this week even though that movie is kind of announced and kind of not you know uh that he's not dr strange yet he's just some guy who's out there who's you know uh a really talented surgeon and uh 
pretty critical of what's gone on in the government. Yeah, yeah, all good points, certainly, all good points. Um, we have an email from Mike Sorensen, uh, a lengthy email. I'll, I'll parse his words slightly, but he actually, uh, and this is about Captain America too, um, he actually hits on some stuff that I think you and I had both intended to discuss uh, for Captain America and just just didn't get around to it. Um, so it's kind of a nice supplement here. Uh, he mentions Emily Van Camp was a was fantastic as Agent 13. And the not surprising but still cool reveal of her as Sharon at the end really was a nice touch. I really hope they keep her around, not just in the Cam at the Cap franchise, but the wider MCU as a whole. As a fan of Everwood, I would be amused to see her reunited with her TV brother, Chris Pratt, who of course is Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually had thought the exact same thing. I will admit, Pete, for the first season or two, I was quite the Everwood fan as well. And to see the two of these uh, actors darn near a decade later making their way to uh, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe is uh, chuckle-worthy indeed. Um, he also mentions uh, Kobe Smulders plays Maria Hill. It's so darn cool, and in, uh, she's in charge all the time. It's going to be fun to see where she goes with it. I know they showed her applying at Stark, but I don't think she's got, uh, done with the Eagle group yet. Uh, he also mentions fun Easter eggs in the movie. Senator Stearns from Iron Man 2 was interesting since they uh, made him a bad guy. Adds a little something to how hard he uh, was going after Stark, doesn't it? Avengers Tower being shown with only the A, uh, left at the end of Avengers. Um, and he wonders if they're going to do anything with that valedictorian from Cedar Rapids. So definitely some good uh, good observations there uh, from Mike. And I'll mention too, Pete, I had missed... I, I had regretted that Senator Stearns was not in Iron Man 3. It's nice that they brought him back for this, um, you know, for, for Captain America. And then you go, oh, that's why he's such a jerk to everyone. <laughs> um, next, we have um, an email from uh, Donna who says, uh, listening to your podcast today, I had to rewind a few times to make sure I got all your points. One thing I'm confused on, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to be mutants in X-Men Days of Future Past, but not in Avengers Age of Ultron. Is that right? So, Pete, you want to do the rundown there for us? That is indeed correct. It is confusing. Uh, it's a mess. Um, Marvel, I think, is going to be forced through the simultaneous use of these characters to really make strong distinctions between them and um, I'm hopeful that it does not uh, mushroom into something that could really harm the integrity on the Marvel side. The bottom line is this, and this is from the, the layman's point of view, but I think here's what I imagine. The contract between Marvel Comic Books Incorporated or whatever the proper name is of the, the tippity top company, the contract between them and uh, 20th Century Fox is for the rights to the X-Men characters. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then they retained the rights to, Marvel did, to the Avengers characters. Okay, now the problem is, what do you do with characters who are a product of X-Men characters, have been in X-Men comics, but also have been in Avengers comics? That is the case with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Um... So it appears, based on uh, based on the different comments that uh, Jeff Loeb has made, etc., 
that Marvel uh, Studios does not have the rights to mutants. So you can have the characters, they just can't be mutants and they can't be the offspring of Magneto, which is the case from the comics. Um, similarly, Donna asks, uh, Peter Parker's uh, parents were with S.H.I.E.L.D., right? How's that going to work with Amazing Spider-Man 2? I will admit I, I don't know the Spider-Man um, mythos deep enough to know who's, that they were who's with Spider-Man? That's one of those other Marvel movies that aren't made by Marvel. But how it's going to work is this. In reverse, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man rights um, do not extend to the S.H.I.E.L.D. rights, I can only imagine. So therefore, when Columbia and Sony go to make a Spider-Man movie, they can't touch um, the things that are outside the scope of Spider-Man, even though there's been that overlap. And let's not forget, there definitely was, this is my layman's understanding, reading you know Hollywood headlines, not being an entertainment lawyer at all. There was a legal understanding between 20th Century Fox and Marvel Studios in order to get Scarlet uh, Witch and um, and uh, and uh, Quicksilver. Pete Donna actually sent a, a second email about an hour ago um, uh, relating to Agents of Shield. She wants you to know, Pete, that the the um, the Fury's death. She believes they're referring to his first death, so they do actually believe that he's dead. Um, she notes that she feels this episode should have been called the winter soldier part two. And that, uh, uh, she d thinks that all the Hydra, she does not think rather that all the Hydra agents have been exposed. I certainly would agree with her on the, uh, on the, uh, the last point there. I have to plead my case with which fury death it was because we didn't know at that point, are we going to get the ultimate, uh, coda that cap was successful that the helicarriers even went up let alone went down within the uh course of this episode so that's you know the reason i speculated on twitter you know fury did die twice in that movie true enough uh we got an email from uh, pal to the podcast hurricane live who said uh was not expecting ward to go rogue and I certainly don't think uh, I don't think any of us were. Um, Pete, we got also got an email from uh, from Jamie Patton, uh, who said as follows: Wow, I actually caught Shield this morning on Hulu before someone realized their mistake, and I yes. still feel like my mind was blown after repeat viewing. I saw this um, that this had happened, and they took it down before noon uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. I did not get a chance to check in on it. Um, spoiler Pete tries to get at things as early as he can. So uh, probably best that that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, I've got so many thoughts on the, la the last twist with Ward. On one hand, pun intended, shooting Victoria is a pretty convincing step to, uh, to showing loyalty, but he never said Hail Hydra. So he is an even deeper mole, part of the team, and just more stoic about it, or is he under duress? There seemed to be more close-up on his eyes, especially toward the end of the episode, so does he possibly have one of those implants, which I had not thought of. I think you, did you float that a couple minutes ago? I, I did not. Um, okay. And that's interesting speculation in light of the way the episode ends. When somebody's got the implant, we see it from their vantage point, obviously. Um, I don't 
think that he does, as interesting as I think that theory is, I think this is on some calculated risk that Garrett will show even more of the extent of the corruption within S.H.I.E.L.D. I think, Pete, you are probably right, but I like Jamie's answer better on an emotional level. I think sorry, I man. Was... I mean, listen, you you you're you're welcome to your opinion. <laughs> well, no, I I don't mean like that. I'm just saying oh, like no. I, I'm, I, I'm saying like like logically your answer is better, but emotional like I'm just thinking if I was in charge of this episode and I was heading towards Ward has an eye spy, I wouldn't reveal that, that at the end of the episode. I'd leave the internet in chaos going oh my goodness the most trustworthy guy just just jump ship um and then to, to later on go you know to to do a a reverse essentially to see it from his point of view you know next now you must kill sky oh no but matt um, wasn't the clairvoyant always on the other end of the eye spy so wouldn't it only make sense that with garrett there ward's not acting with that um i imagine the clairvoyant as the guy in charge but not the guy at the keyboard necessarily okay i mean i mean look look somebody was at the keyboard with um thomas nash and it wasn't bill paxton typing in his pocket you know right um anyhow jamie goes on to say also let's say he's team hydra because of his time with garrett where does it leave triplet i'd like to think he's on team colson uh, uh, plus, he'd make a good replacement for Ward if he isn't on the up, uh, on the up and up, uh, goes down in a blaze of glory, which also is a heck of a thought that this show is built to have the strong man. And if you're going to get rid of Ward for real, yeah. And you, and Triplet's already like, hey, I'm still here and I'm going to, Cole, you want me to hang out with you for a little bit? Five episodes later, Ward gets mowed down in a, in a hail of bullets. Words out, leave us. You still need the strong man, and you introduce Triplet. You know, eight episodes before the finale, like she she might be on something here. Well, Is in Jamie that case, I look forward to uh, May putting uh, you know uh, two in his chest and one in his computer. <laughs> um, lastly, for our, for our emails, Pete, uh, a, a fitting a fitting circle here. Uh, it's from our pal Michelle, the first agent of the week. Uh, she said, remember when people said our show was boring and predictable? <laughs> ha 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 ha. Weeps. Well, Matt, I think they really need to look up the word boring in the dictionary. <laughs> With that, Pete, speaking of Agent of the Week, it's been it's been a tough decision. We had tons of wonderful, wonderful email. Pete, I think for my money... And the fact that this person is a fellow New Jerseyan does not factor into it at all. Uh, but I think, for my money, uh, I think it has to go to uh, to Jamie this week. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Definitely some good stuff. And I just want to say to everybody who emailed, this is the most email we've ever gotten. And it really, really is wonderful. Uh, please do continue to share those thoughts. It's just been... Just been you know just been absolutely good stuff it's been good to to be able to review these episodes uh with you all and pete speaking of reviews do we uh have any on the old itunes yes uh an explosion of uh reviews so not only the mailbag uh but the itunes inbox filling up here um 
we have four reviews. Uh, the first uh, sequentially was left by a golden Hera nine. The headline of her or uh, its review, I'm not really given a, a gender, um, is uh, thanks men. So I might assume Hera being female, but don't know. Uh, it is a five star review like all four uh, we have amassed uh, since then. And it uh, reads, your podcast has kept me sane during my Colson slash Greg withdrawals and the ABC programming hiatuses. Thank you. Thank you, Golden Hera Nine. Very lovely indeed, and and to be visited by by a Greek goddess. <laughs> I mean, my. The next was uh, left by Crescent Moon Six Two One, and it reads uh, the best AOS podcast five stars. Oh, high praise indeed! Wow, wonderful. Uh, love these two guys discussing every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They are honest about the good and the bad of the show and how hashtag it's all connected to the Marvel Universe. <laughs> and it certainly is. This is an episode that made things very, very connected, including uh, Graviton. Our third review comes courtesy of Los the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> It wow. is headlined, Great Podcast with Great Hosts. And it reads, Really look forward to listening to Matt and Pete's insight into each weekly episode. Very informative, and they really seem to like the show. Warts and all, we certainly do really, really like the show. <laughs> and our final uh, review, which was left on April 5th, so just a couple days ago, um, from Photopaul65, again, a five-star, the headline, The, capitalized, Best Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, exclamation. Um, being a huge Marvel fan, I was so excited when the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show was announced. Since I'm also a podcast junkie, I was happy to see several podcasts dedicated to the new show. I've listened to them all but there's only one in my auto download queue every week. And this is it. Matt and Pete have great chemistry and really deliver the goods. Their interview with Clark Gregg was epic. All caps <laughs> exclamation point. Highly recommended two exclamation points. Thank you. Photo Paul six, five. And by the way, Pete, uh, I believe all four of those, I'd have to go back and check the email. Um, have, been in touch to just kind of ma match up um, their their iTunes name to an email so we can be in touch. Uh, of course, kind of you know what we want to avoid is pull a name out there and say, "Oh, we don't know who this is." And somebody says, "Aha! I shall claim the prize." Pull a so name please, for what, Matt? Uh, pull a name for Pete's famous uh, review raffle. Um, and Pete, what are you going to win if you win the raffle? Yes, what we are playing for at home is one of the well it is the first ever agents of shield uh collectible uh a funko vinyl uh agent colson all of your own little bobblehead style figurine that's going to look one of them uh, is going to look great on my desk and the other is going to wind up to one of our most generous and courteous itunes reviewers this will be drawn the night of the 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 finale, which will be Tuesday, May 13th. If you are interested in leaving us a review to uh, possibly receive this incentive, please just make sure that you get it in because iTunes just has a little bit of a lag, about a 24 to 48 hour uh, check period. They got to make sure you don't enter an expletive filled uh, uh, review into how, uh, you know, how much you hate us. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they, they put it up. But just make sure you get it into us no later than Sunday, May 11th, so that we can see it and have you in the drawing for the night of the finale, which will be done live on air. Indeed. And we actually might, uh, I think, Pete, our goal is going to be to uh, to maybe post video of that at some point as well i, I don't know that that's completely figured out completely but yes. we want, we're, we want to turn it into a little thing we're going to have um, accountants uh you know overseeing the operation uh, all of the names are being kept in a special uh shield stainless steel briefcase uh only the best price waterhouse cooper are they're here right now they're, i don't know what they're tabulating it's kind of creepy <laughs> um, but but that's that's how much we care about you guys. So, Pete, with that, I think that we've covered everything from this this mammoth mammoth episode. Um, was there anything else on the uh, on the list there, or shall we wrap up for for sure? We're good to go. Alrighty, then uh, I will just remind everybody that uh, you can be in touch with the podcast by emailing fantasticgeek at gmail tweeting at fantasticgeek or leaving a comment on uh, fantasticgeek.com. Of course, Pete, you're a Twitter celebrity. How can people talk to you on Twitter? Well, 2,796 followers can't be wrong. You can find me on the Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. On Twitter, I am individually looking back lost. And uh, with that, Pete, I will say... Auf Wiedersehen und Schilder Freunde to all our listeners and uh, give you, Pete, the final word. All right. Let them have it and shoot that one in the kneecaps. Oh, Matt, man, that was a heck of a podcast. That was, uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. It really was. And this, I mean, we're going to, we're just a little shy of the 90 minute mark. So that's probably going to be like 85 megabytes. You know, that's a, that's a decent sized, decent sized episode, but can't, I'm psyched for next week, you know, see what happens to the, our, our heroes of shield, you know, see, see what happens. You know, I mean, like literally, you know, anything, anything could happen. Like, you know, it's bedtime. We got to wrap this puppy up here, but Anything could happen, and it's just uh, the show's really headed in just such a, I don't know, just such a fabulous, such a fabulous direction, Pete. Hail Hydra. Wait, what?